Uh, good evening. We're continuing our series of Pirkei Avot. I believe that tonight is the last one. We should, we should finish it. There's only a few more Mishnayot left. Uh, we have to do seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Five Mishnayot, and we're done. And Baruch Hashem, I, like I said, I had great response on that. From all over, you know, the, the series we did in Hebrew was very good, and I decided to do it in English. And thanks to you, every Monday we finished it. Uh, we will have a lecture next Monday, different topic, Bezrat Hashem. And then right after that, we, we keep announced, depend on the holidays. But uh, as far as I remember, the holidays do not fall on Mondays. So we should have everything as, as Bezrat Hashem is scheduled. Uh, if you remember, last week we finished with a very, we, we did the whole lecture, the whole entire lecture, which was about an hour and a half, we did one Mishnah. Sometimes you can do in one lecture seven, eight Mishnayot, sometimes one, depends, because there was a Mishnah with many, many different topics. Uh, it was a long Mishnah. We describe uh, a list of people that uh, that's the recommendations, the advice that Chazal gave us. And uh, if you remember someone who recognizes his place, is happy with what he has, is watching his mouth, love everyone, love Hashem, love tzedakah, love people to correct him, to do the right thing, always like to be decent and honest, running away from pride and ego and honor, uh, is not arrogant, very down to earth when he teach, you know, is not looking down at people, is not happy that he became an important Rav, that people, you know, give him respect, is not what he's looking for. Always participating with other people is not egoistic. When people do something, he runs to help. He gives the righteous people the benefits of the doubt when he sees that they supposedly do something wrong. And also, when he learns, he learns very serious. He goes very deep. He, you know, he digs inside to the bottom of things, to the roots of the things. Asking, answering, listening, always adding more and more and more learning in order for him to teach others, to share his wisdom with others, always learning in order for him to do, to become more righteous, doing everything he can to sharpen his, his rabbi, uh, always give credit to whoever he learns from. If he quotes somebody, if he says something in the name of somebody else, he always uses his name. And that's what we spoke about last week. So today... We're starting the seventh Mishnah in the sixth chapter. As you know, there's only six chapters in Pirkei Avot. And since it's only 11 Mishnayot in this chapter, we should be done by today. Uh, so, the Mishnah starts, Gdola Torah. This chapter in general, the sixth chapter, is mainly around Torah. They're concluding all the great manners and, uh, and, uh, and advice and recommendations that they gave with lots of Torah. Gdola Torah, the Torah is great, is giving life to those who practice it in this life and in the next life, in the next world. Not only that is a tree of life, what's, why always they use the symbol tree, tree? What's, what's special about tree? Because the tree has two things about it. If you look at the Gemara, the Gemara always shared the tree to two categories. Where the roots are, the, the, the place of the tree, and the fruit. So it's like a principle and interest. When you, get, when you have a loan, 
you give someone a thousand dollars and you charge the goy interest. So there's two categories here. There's the principle that came out of you, that's the money, and then the the fruit is the the income that it's going to bring you. The whatever the interest, the monthly interest. Same thing a, a tree. A tree is the actual tree has a value. You go and you buy in Home Depot in a gardening uh, department a tree that costs two hundred dollars. Two or three years later, it gives you fruit. Let's say it's a fruit tree. So you pay for the tree X amount. The tree has a value. But on the, tr- the tree also, every year, generates X amount of fruit. There's no way to know 100% how much fruit. One season, it can give you 1,000 oranges. The next season, it can give you 100. And, so, and plus, the quality of the fruit, it depends how you take care of the tree and mainly how much Hashem wants you to have. So this is a tree. Now, what's special about a tree? Every time Chazal used this expression, Etz Chaim, tree of life. What does it mean, tree of life? Same thing that you have right now, you buy a a tree without any fruit on it. Right now there's no fruit. But the tree will generate fruit forever. Forever and ever. It can be hundreds of years. Who knows how many years. There's trees in Israel, two, three thousand years they're standing there. And they generate olives every year, every year. You know, some of the trees, like olive trees and cactus, they don't need great environment, anything, anywhere. They even grow on rocks. They don't need that much water. They grow. So they can be there for who knows how many years. So the same thing here, Etz Chaim, which means tree of life, which means whatever you do, you enjoy from it here, but it will continue to generate income to you forever and ever. That's why they use this expression, Etz Chaim. Etz Chaim ila machzikim ba vetomchea mevushar, ki chaim em lemotzeem ulechol besaro marpe. Then they give another example. It brings you glory and protection. The Torah, when a person learns Torah, it gives them a lot of protection in anything he do, is doing in life. What does it mean? People think, I'm learning and I'm working. So let's say I work, uh, you know, let's say eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. And then I learn six hours a day. So that's already right there, 14 hours. The rest, I sleep, I help, I go shopping, I help my wife with the kids, I'm coming home for dinner. So basically, that's how the day is. So he's thinking, and the only way I can learn six hours is by working eight hours. If I won't work, I won't be able to learn. That's the way he thinks. And most people, even today, even people who know a lot of Torah, they still think, if I won't be able to work, I won't be able to learn. In reality, it's completely wrong. Because most of the learners in the world do not work even a minute a, a month. And in reality, they all survive. They all have what to eat. They have place to sleep. They don't live luxury life, most of them. But they live. Somehow they live. So the idea is, if a person wants to learn a lot of Torah, there's really nothing to hold him back. It's only one thing that holds him back, the amount of confidence that he has in Hashem. The more he has confidence in Hashem, he's more relaxed, he's not worried about money. Uh, even though two days from now the mortgage is coming or the rent, he's so confident that Hashem will already work it out, but he's not even worried about it. He makes a little bit efforts, very little efforts, and that's how they live. I know many people like this. Most people are not like this. But I know people like this. Now you have to understand, for Hashem, 
it's not a diff, there's no difference to make a miracle with $1,000 a month or to make a miracle with $20,000 a month. People think, okay, well, if I needed only $2,000 a month to survive, no, so Hashem is making me a little favor. Here and there I'm making $2,000 a month. But to make $20,000 a month to support such a big family, mortgage, expenses, tuition, cars, insurance, all these things that I have, <laughs> what's the chance I'm going to be able to survive? That's how people think. But this is called kfira. Kfira means a person who has no emuna in Hashem. If he thinks for Akadosh Baruch Hu, he has to sweat a little more to send him 20000 a month, then he has to send him 2000 a month. That's nonsense. However, Hashem will not make a clear miracle to someone who he knows he doesn't trust him. Where did we see it? In a midbar, in a generation of the midbar. In a, in a, when Bnei Israel were in a desert, the man were falling. And to people who trusted Hashem, it fell right next to their tent. People who did not trust Hashem, they had to go and search for it. So somebody who trusted Hashem didn't even have to bother. It came right to his, he came out of his tent, he picks it up and he eats. Other people, they come out, nothing. They have to go and search. They have to pick up, they have to work. So you see already, a generation that heard the voice of Hashem, already you can split them to two categories. Believers and non-believers. The believers, their life is a picnic. They never worry. He can get on a cab with 10 shekel in his pocket, knowing it's 15 shekel to get to the western wall. By the time he gets there, he doesn't have an extra five. He sits in a cab and he's relaxed, and something will happen, by the way, you know, with confidence. If you remember in my old lectures a few years ago, I was telling these two stories, which I like very much. I have many stories of Emunah, but these two, I know they are real. Many stories are out there. How reliable they are, you have to check. Those two are real, because one of them, Rav Benayahu Shmueli, spoke in public, and he said the story by himself, and he used the names of the person. This person is still alive. He wouldn't make a lie, knowing this person is out there. Everyone will come and ask him, and everybody will know he's lying. It's not realistic. And the second story, I confirm it with the son of the rabbi, that the story is about him. Hashem got me in a car with him, and maybe a year later, and I asked him if this story is true. So he was laughing. He said, not only it's true, it happened five, six times every day to my father. So what is it? i give you an example. First story is that the rabbi wanted to go and pray Mincha in the Western Wall. He asked his wife, where is the money? She said, on the shelf. Now he had a, a guy, a young guy, 18, 17 years old. He's coming up to his apartment to ask him a question in a Gemara. So while he's learning with him for a few minutes, then he said, did you pray Mincha? He said, no. I said, you want to come with me to the Kotel? So the guy's very honored to go with such an important person together to prayer. He's taking me with him. So he was very happy, but he didn't have any money. He just came up. His yeshiva is down the block. So he asked his wife, where is the money? So she said on the shelf, so he see 10 shekel there. To get to the Kotel, to the Western Wall, is 15 shekel each direction. So you need minimum 30. You always need a little more. You never know, something goes wrong, maybe it's going to be a little more. So he takes the 10 shekel, he puts it in his pocket, and they go down. So this guy was nervous. Maybe he's counting on me. So I, right away he told him, Rabbi, I didn't bring money with me. I, I, I just came up to ask a question. I didn't think, you know, we're going to go anywhere. So I said, oh, that's okay, we have money. He said, but Rabbi, it's not enough. It's 15 shekel to each direction. Not that he doesn't go there every day. <laughs> Almost every day he goes there. So he knows the price. So he said, but that's what we have right now. And Hashem will help. He knows we're going to do a mitzvah. No problem. Well, now we shouldn't worry. No, no, just like that. 
He goes down, he pull up a cab, the cab, how much to check, to the hotel, 15 shekel. He gets a get in. And this guy is really nervous, because he's thinking, by the time we get there, this not religious driver will go nuts. When he finds out these two guys talking, taking advantage of me, I told them 15 shekel, now they're going to say we only have 10. So he's thinking, how are we going to have this Hilul Hashem now? How are we going to get out of it? Sitting nervous. <laughs> so <laughs> while they're driving, the driver say, turn around and say, do you mind? I'll pick up this guy also there. Somebody is pulling a cab. I say, no, no. So he stopped. He said, where do you need to? He said, to the hotel, to the western wall. Come in. So he comes in the front. He sits. So okay, so now you can split. Ten shekel each. <laughs> So this guy said, oh, I can't believe it. Wait until I'm going to tell everyone the story. He's already thinking what the story is. So now he's thinking, what's going to be the miracle? How, to, how we come back? We don't have a penny. As soon as they come out of the car, when, he, when, the, when the taxi arrived there, right away, somebody runs to him, I'm looking for you for a month. What happened? I need to talk to you. It's important. So he said, but I have to pray mincha. He said, okay, after Mincha, how is the Rav going back home? He said, I don't know yet. He said, can I give uh, the rabbi a, a, a lift home? So, of course. And that's how they got back home. I heard that story. I'm not, I admit that I didn't believe it in the first time. I said to, I had questions about that story. About a year later, somebody called me, and I went with him you know, to a place. And then one redhead guy came with a beard, and he came into the car. And then this guy told me, do you know who this guy is? His last name is such and such. He's the son of that rabbi. I said, oh, perfect chance. So I told him that story. So he started to laugh. He said, hey, all his life is like this. Every day, five, six, seven times like this. He goes, he goes to the store. With Mamash, that's how he lives. So that's a person who has a munay Hashem. He's not worried about anything. Completely. Whatever I need, it's your problem. You take care of me. I'm not worried. And it's working. But it takes years to get to this level you don't go like this, you make a switch, somebody hypnotizes you, hocus pocus, and you become a tzaddik like this. It's, it's hard work to get to that level. Then the second story is, there's a guy in Yerushalayim, this story is about 30 years ago. 30 years ago, when the Baba Sali, Rabbi Israel Abu Chatzera, was still alive. So there was one, one very poor person in Yerushalayim, his name is Todros, his last name, somebody from, a Saradi Jew from Spain, his background is from Spain, he's very poor, he's learning in yeshiva with Benayahu Shmueli. Benayahu Shmueli today is a very big Kabbalist in Yerushalayim, his big yeshiva, but in those days he was just, uh, you know, in his 20s, learning in yeshiva. So in those days, the religious people like today, they demonstrate against the secular people who drive on Shabbos, on Shabbat in Yerushalayim. So they lay on the floor in the middle of the road. They don't let them drive on Shabbat, don't come to this area. And the police come and arrest them. You know, until today it's the same story. So few religious people, Friday afternoon, they were already demonstrating they want to close the neighborhood there. So they arrested them. So now this guy is thinking, oh, this guy is coming to protect the Shabbat. And now they're going to jail, and we're not, gonna, we're not going to release them on bail. So I asked right away, how much is the bail? They said $1,000. 30 years ago, it's like 10000 today. So right away, he ran to the yeshiva. Yeshiva has a lot of guys, but everyone is poor. No one has this kind of money. 
So he comes to his friend Benayahu, he says, I need a thousand dollars loan. So he says, where am I going to get you a thousand dollars loan? From where? He says, collect from all your people there. Everyone here has to give something, write down how much they gave, and I'll return it. So he says, how are you you're going to return it? You're not exactly rich. It's very poor, it's closed, very cheap. So he said, oh, don't worry about it. Right now we need to release these Jews before Shabbat starts. So he said, okay, come back in an hour. I'll try to raise the money. An hour later he came. Somehow they raised the $1,000. He ran to the police. He gave them the money. He released, released them before Shabbos. Then Sunday, Sunday come. He comes again to the yeshiva. He says to him, are you coming with me to Meron? Meron is all the way in the north. Yerushalayim is in one place. It's about two hours ride with a car, more. So he said, all the way to the north of Israel. So he said, well, what are we going to do in Meron? He said, I want to make a meal for the poor people, for the opportunity that I had to do the first time in my life, such an important mitzvah. What is it? Pidyon Shvuim. Pidyon Shvuim means to redeem a Jewish prisoner from jail or from prison, you know, like by the goyim, the capture by the goyim. It's a big mitzvah to redeem them. No. So he says, since I'm so happy I had the opportunity to make this mitzvah, I want to make a meal for all the poor people to say thank you to Hashem. <laughs> so he said, how are we going to get there? He said, why are you always worry? How, how, how? You want to come or no? He said, okay, I'm coming with you. They go out. Taxi! Even the richest guy in Israel, they don't allow themselves to take a taxi special <laughs> all the way from Yerushalayim to Meron, believe me. Talking like $150 at least. So we say, I have to go to Meron. So the guy said, 100, whatever, in Shkalim, $150. He said, okay, let's go. So do you have money? He said, no. So he said, how are we going to pay? We're going to get to Meron, we don't have money. So again, he gets angry. Why are you asking so many questions? What? Hashem knows we do mitzvah. That's it. We shouldn't worry anymore. This guy has such strong emunah in Hashem that he's not even worried. Every normal person will go crazy. Oh, what happened? How am I going to get the money? How am I going to pay it back? Nothing to worry about. I trust you 100%. On the way there, he said to the driver, pull over here. There's a glad kosher restaurant. <laughs> I have to go get the food. He doesn't have one dollar in his pocket. I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds out of this world. But the story is confirmed 100%. That's what's good about it. He goes out to the glad kosher restaurant. He comes to the owner of the restaurant. He says, I need a bowl of rice. I need chickens. I need this. I need He orders whatever he needs. So the guy is looking at the way he dressed. He says, where are you taking all this food? So he tells him the story. The owner of the restaurant is so impressed that is how he went to borrow money and he trusts Hashem that he's going to pay it back and he see how poor he is he himself doesn't have money so he feel bad for him so he said I don't want to take money from you it's 100% on me I want to be a partner in this mitzvah let me help you to the car <laughs> so I take the, they go out he see a cab he said what? you came from Yerushalayim with a cab? he said hey, how else can I come? we don't have a license we don't have a car you know the only way to come is with a car. So he says, he says to him, to the driver, how much is the ride? $150. Right away, he takes money. So the cab is also on me. So he pays for the cab. This Benayahu cannot understand what's going on here. They drive another 20 minutes. They get to Meron. Fine. Now they're in Meron. They take everything out of the cab. There's tables over there. They set up the tables. 
Now he has to look for all the poor people to come to eat, that he can say a few different Torah. Who does he see over there? The Baba Sali sitting with a group of Moroccan French from, from France, wealthy people, a long table with great food on the table, drink lechaim, divrei Torah, singing. It's a party, some kind of a party. As soon as the Baba Sali look at them, both of them putting the food, right away he goes like this to Todos. Come, come. He doesn't know him. He doesn't, everybody knows the Baba Sali. He's a very holy Kabbalist in Israel 25, 30 years ago. So he calls him like this, come, come. <laughs> this Benayahu is following him like a reporter to see what's going to happen. As soon as he comes to the Baba Sali, so one of the French Moroccan gave the Baba Sali an envelope. As soon as he came, the Baba Sali didn't even open the envelope. He goes like this to him, he gives him the envelope. He said, that's for you. So Todros takes the envelope, he looks at Benayahu, he said, that's for you. <laughs> so he opens the envelope, exactly 10 bills of $100, a $1,000 inside. So that's for the mitzvah. He lives like this, like a magician. No problem, Hashem never let me down. This is the level of people in the generation of the Midbar. This is what Hashem demands from every Jew. That's the truth. Are we very far away from me? <laughs> who, who, who lives like this? Everyone is worried what's going to happen. They pay me, they don't pay me. What? But this is how people are supposed to be. Where does it say it in the Torah? Don't save the month for tomorrow. Eat today everything. Why? I want to keep some for tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I won't be what to eat. Don't save. I'm not interested of savings. Just eat, enjoy the moment. Tomorrow, I'm the same Hashem that fed you today. I will feed you tomorrow. That's why in reality, a Jew that trusts Hashem doesn't need any life insurance. Any insurance he doesn't need. Any insurance. He only needs insurance because he doesn't trust Hashem. So he wants somebody else to secure him. One guy came to the rabbi and said, Rabbi, I know some people say you need life insurance. Some people say you don't need life insurance. So I want to ask you, are my rabbi? I want to ask you, do you think I should take life insurance? So he told him, now when you ask, for sure you need. <laughs> well, you don't trust Hashem to save you, to take care of your wife and children if, you have to, if he has to take you from here. So now you need... If you didn't ask, that means you know 100% the same thing Hashem fed you now. What do you think? You feeding your family? What do you really think? That the man is feeding the family? The parnasa b'chalal comes from the woman, not from the man. The Zohar says that the tree, there's a tree in Shamaim, and the tree has branches, and from the same branch, the wife and the parnasa comes from the same branch. That's why the modesty of the wife affecting the parnasa of a man. If his wife modest, he makes all the money he's supposed to make. If she's not modest, Hashem takes away from his parnasa. He was supposed to make a million, he make only 300,000. He's very happy. Oh, what a great year. I made $300,000, the best year ever. <laughs> if he only knew that 700,000 he lost because of the way his wife walked on the street, probably she won't walk like this tomorrow. <laughs> he will prevent it one way or the other. So we'll continue. So the Mishnah says, the Mishnah says like this. It says like this. Someone who learns Torah for the sake of heaven, na'aset lo sam chaim. It becomes a drug. A drug. A drug of life. It's like taking a drug 
and it gives you special life, this drug. A dead person, he took the drug, oops, he's alive, he's back to life. And what, what also the Mishnah says? The, the Chachamim taught us a very big secret. What is the secret? The secret is that the Gemara asks a question. What does the righteous people do in the next world? Once we leave this world, the soul comes out of the body, we, we disappear. That's a, we're not here anymore. The body goes to the worms, finish, end of story. But the soul, where is the soul going to be? So the answer is, the soul is going to receive all the Torah and all the secrets of Hashem that we didn't have here. And there are different levels, this yeshiva, that yeshiva. Now you may think, I have yeshiva for free across the street, I'm not interested to go. <laughs> That's the reward I'm going to get. So let me clarify it to you. The reason that people don't want to go and learn Torah because it's difficult for them. They're tired, they're lazy, it's hot there. Uh, you know, they cannot concentrate. They're tired from work. Their wife is waiting home with their watch, counting the minutes until he gets home. She's holding a whip in case he's going to be late. Everyone has, is afraid of this, is afraid of that. His friends wants to play cards. There's a, there's a final today, a, a basketball game. Who knows? All these stupid things that takes us away from the Torah. But when the soul separates from the body, all these desires and interference and all these obstacles does not exist. You don't have the wife that says, I come, darling, I missed you. You don't have it. You don't have, oh, I'm hungry, delicious food is waiting home. You don't have that. You don't have laziness. You're not tired. You don't have concentration problems. The soul is divine and it's pure. There's nothing the soul needs more than Torah. It's like a half deal. Million times, Lehavdil. It's like a drug addict that needs his cocaine right now, is willing to kill for it. You know, you see how they behave when they need it? They go crazy. They'll sell their mother for one day. For one day, they sell their mother. Anything. They don't care about anything. If he has to sell his wife to prostitution to get drugs just for today, he will do it without hesitation. Why? He can control. He can control this desire. That's why there's a lot you can do for people. You can help them to become more honest, you can help them to become Shomer Chavez, you can help to make them more religious, but to take care of their drugs problem, it's not so simple. Because it's just not enough to talk to them, you have to lock them in, uh, you need to be professional, you have to give them supplements, it's, a, it's not so simple, it's not so simple. The Torah, of course, helps a lot. What you can do with the Torah will take you ten times more without the Torah, that's for sure, because the Torah makes the person aware of his situation and give him the energy to, to get rid of his sickness. But, and without the Torah, it's much, much harder. But it's not always going to work 100%. You need a facility. You need a place. It costs a lot of money. It's not so simple at all. So just to give you an idea, when the soul separates from the body, that's all the soul wants. The soul doesn't know sport. All these things, the soul is not interested. It's only the body. Everything we after is the body. Food, body. Relation, body. Sport, body. Cigarettes, body. Drugs, body. Cars, body. Swimming, body. What else? AC, body. Mao, what else? 
No? Movies, nonsense, uh, weddings, dancing, it's all body. What? Find me one desire that the soul has besides Torah. That's the real ultimate desire, kosher desire. That's why as soon as the soul comes out, that's all it is interested in. There's no, no problems, no, no, nothing is preventing the learning of Torah. So uh, the, the Mishnah explains that a person that comes out, what does he do? The Gemara says, Yoshvim tzadikim, the righteous people are sitting, ve'atroteem l'rosheem, they have a special spiritual crown, ve'nehenim shechina, and enjoying the greatness of God. It sounds like Japanese, I don't know. Sitting with a crown and enjoying the greatness of God. What is it? I don't know exactly. But I can swear on my life is the best thing you can imagine. <laughs> Nothing could be more attractive than this, no? Sitting and enjoying the greatness of God without a body, no obstacle, no dividers, direct connection between the soul and the manufacturer and the creator, which is Hashem. You should know that the soul is apart from God, going back to where it belongs. And that's the ultimate pleasure. In case you're still wondering, the Torah says clearly that all the pleasure of all the people, of all the generation, of all the years, any kind of pleasure combined will not be equal to the greatness of the reward of the righteous Jews for one hour in the next life. One hour, as soon as the person goes to his place in heaven, one hour there, if you put it on a spiritual scale, is already greater than all the pleasure of all the people you ever were jealous with. This billionaire, and this movie star, and this one, and that one, and this, and this, and anything you can think of, and food, and jewelry, and vacations, and sport, anything you can think of combined from Adam until today, will be less than one hour of your reward if you're going to be righteous. Very important. So this Mishnah ends Orech Yamim Bimina. On the right hand, it's an expression, it's an analogy. Orech Yamim, long life. Ubismola, Osher Vekavod, wealth and honor. Ki Orech Yamim Ushnot Chaim Veshalom Yosifulach. It makes the life of a person long, longer. It makes him more relaxed. It makes him with less stress. It builds up his confidence, his faith in Hashem, he's less angry, he's less arrogant, he's more shy, he's more important, people love him more, everybody is impressed from his manners. You can never lose from the Torah. There's not one negative thing about it. Almost everything in life, there's something negative about it. Yeah, it could be a lot of positive. Yeah, this one is a bad. You cannot say one little negative comment against the Torah. And in case you think that by sitting and learning Torah, you're losing money, the opposite. Not only you're making the money by not going to work, you're going to make a lot more than sitting at work. And also you should know that the value of the reward is determined on who you are. Not everyone gets the same reward for one hour of learning Torah. Besides the difficulty that is different from a person to a person, one person sweats a lot, one person is very easy for him. Besides that, it's how much you're willing to get to obey the Torah, which means if you sit now, let's say you have three or four hours a day that you learn before you go to work or when you come back from work, and now somebody comes and offers you a project. He says to you, I need you to work for me two days. 
and I'll pay you $100 an hour. So if you say, okay, so now, so instead of learning three, four hours today, I'm going to get 400 bucks extra today, and tomorrow it's going to be 800 bucks extra in my pocket. Okay, for this week, I'm ag I agree. So for you, the value of the Torah is less than $100, because you're willing to replace it with $100. So Hashem knows to take $100, translate it to a spiritual value, and that's what you're going to get in the next life. To another person, you say, you're insulting me, you want me to lose my learning for $100, so, okay, okay, a thousand an hour. Ah, now you're talking. A thousand, no problem for that. You know, he's already thinking, I'm going to get the money, I'm going to be able to learn more Torah, next week I'll take a week off. All this calculation, anyway, it doesn't come through. Because after he got the money, he forgot that he missed the Torah. Some people say, okay, today I won't learn. I'll go to my friend's birthday party. Tomorrow I'll come from work a little early and I'll learn double on my dead body. <laughs> he will learn double tomorrow. Usually it's going to be, if today was supposed to learn four hours and tomorrow four hours, if today he missed the four hours, tomorrow he's going to learn three and a half hours. Less. Because it's already opening a gate at the door to the even inclination. La peta chatat rovetz. As soon as the woman wants to make the clothes a little bit tighter, come back in a month, you see how tight the clothes became. Once you start a negative process, that's it. You see where it's going to. So the idea is always the first step is the most dangerous step. It's good for the positive side, the first step. Hashem say, open me for the size of a needle, and I'll open you the whole world. Just make the right steps to the right direction, and I'll do all the rest for you. On the other hand, if you make the step to the wrong direction, comes the Satan and penetrates, and the rest is history. So we finish this Mishnah, now we're in Mishnah Chet. Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya said, in the name of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, this is what he says, Hanoi, the beauty, ve'akoach, the power, ve'a'osher, and the wealth, ve'akavod, and the honor, ve'achokma, and the wisdom, ve'azikna, when you become old, ve'aseva, when you become even older, like older than 80, ve'abanim, and the children, na'el ha'tzadikim ve'na'el ha'olam. It's a gift to the righteous people, and it's a gift to the world. It's a gift to the righteous people because everyone wants to, wants to have a nice look and strength and wealth and honor and wisdom and to get to an old age and to have kids. Everybody wants it, right? That's what people pray for. So that's obvious. But why it's good for the world? Why it's so good for the world? So this is what it says. It says, like, first of all, the noy makes the righteous people look great in the eyes of the ministers, the kings. So when they speak to it's what we call in our language charisma, charismatic person. Not every wise person is charismatic. I know people who knows so much Torah, you put them two minutes on the stage to speak, everybody falls asleep. They can't put together anything. To write, they're very good. To speak, they have problem, expression problem. It's very hard for them to express. Sometimes it's the opposite. A person cannot write. He's mumbling, confusing, erasing. To talk, he has this talent. Sometimes he has this and that. Some rabbis, they cannot write their own books. They have a person who records them all what they say, and he writes the book for them. And then they sign their name. So he hears all his knowledge, and he edits that together. He knows where to put, what's first, what's in the middle, what's in the end, introduction, 
not to repeat things twice. It's not, not, most of the books are written by other people. Even Rabbi Ovadia Yosef, even though he writes a lot and he has great talent of writing, besides speaking, there's a guy who edits everything and writes and go over it and put it together and makes correction, and they double and triple check the books. So, noi, it's what we call charisma. Strength, that when people give more respect when they see there's a strong person next to them than a weak character. No, so that's important. Osher, they're independent. They don't need to beg people, help me, give me, support me, help, my, help me to get food. Because when you come to people for help, they right away look down to you. That's the nature of the people. So if, if you're independent, if you can support yourself and you don't need help from anyone, right away they respect you much more, right? Chokhmah, obviously everybody respects wisdom. Zikna, it's also wisdom with experience. It's not the same wisdom of a young guy and the wisdom of an old man. It's not the same, because an old man mixes his life experience with his knowledge, and it's very good. Sometimes you can be a very smart person that doesn't have experience in life. Because sometimes what the, the Torah tells you, the Torah tells you A, B, C, D, that's the halacha. Not always you can do it. You have to use judgment. Sometimes if you go according to the Torah, you, you, you cause a holocaust. Sometimes the Torah told you, be honest. But not always. If a person asks you, well, well, what did my wife tell you about me? Tell me, tell me the truth. So what are you going to tell him? She said that you smells and you're stingy. What are you going to tell him? If you're going to tell him what the wife really said, that's it. It's going to be a divorce. The kid's going to be on the street. There'll be criminals in a few years. It's going to be a disaster. So you have to use your judgment. Right now it's the time to lie. Your wife say you're a great man. You've been good to her all the years. You're very generous. You know, oh, really? That's what she said? She deserves a lot. Oh, the next day, he opened the vault, he takes his millions out, and life begins. Why? Thanks to one little lie. Just to give you an idea. So wisdom is important. That's why seva, being, being old, is very important. You know, I'll give you an example. Rav Moshe Feinstein, I'm sure you heard about him. He was the most uh, righteous in America, big tzaddik, Talmid Chacham, of all the Ashkenazi world in general. Uh, so he lived in Lower East Side. It used to be a very holy area this, over there. So one time, there was a person who used to tell the police and the goyim against Israel. Before he even came to America, while, how he used to make his money? He used to be a spy. A spy. A spy that spies on his brothers and turned them into the government. Turned them to the IRS, turned them to the FBI for money. That's his job. Everyone hates him, it's needless to say. And one day when he dies, he wrote in his will, I want you to bury me with my face down, not up. They bury everyone with a face up. Why? That when Mashiach comes, first thing they're going to do after the resurrection of the dead, they go like this. If they go like this, they go even with their nose into the ground. So they have to be up, with a face up. No. So that's the halacha. He wrote... I want you to bury me with my face down. So now his son say, I have to go by my father. I don't care what you say, rabbis. My father requested to bury him with his face down. I don't care. The rabbis say, we don't care about you. You're not making the law here. There's Torah. You can, we can care less of your wish and your father's wish. We don't listen to him. Same thing today. If a person writes, 
I want you to criminate my body and spread the ashes or, or put it on the, on, in a jar in my daughter's bedroom. I want to be able to be next to my grandchildren. So put me in a jar. You don't listen to this fool. You don't listen to him. You just bury him like every other person. Why? Now when he goes up, he, he understands what a mistake he did. You're doing him a big favor by not listening to him. So, Rav Moshe Feinstein said, absolutely, you don't listen to him. So what, what about to fulfill his request, to give honor to the dead? He said, no, no, no. The Torah said to bury you with the face up. So they buried him. That day, after the funeral, the police came to Hebrat Kadisha. So the police said, we got an anonymous letter that you hated that Jew. The police love him because he was telling, giving them all the tips. They catch all the people thanks to this guy. We got an anonymous letter that you took revenge against that Jew and you, bury him, you hated him so much that he's the only Jew that you bury him with his face down to the ground. So we had an order from court to open the grave and to see. And we tell you, Rabbi, if that's what you did, it's against the law, it's this, we got, we're going to... Ooh, the Jews are in big problems. And everybody, all, the, all, all this guy's friend was happy. Ooh, probably they, they catch the rabbis, right? They opened the grave. <laughs> His face up. There was no face left because the snake ate all, all of it up. But the face was up. So, <laughs> so, the rab, rab, so somebody came and said, wow, imagine if we didn't run to ask the rav. We would bury him very good, bury him with his face to the ground. We, are, we cooperate with his request. Let's bury him even deeper, this Rasha. But the Chacham, enough the Rosho, that's called wisdom and, and also life experience. Okay, so this is just another example. So then, so it's, nae, it's good for the righteous people, we said, right? And... שנאמר, they bring in the source, אתרת תפארת צבא בדרך צדקה תימצא. They give all the psukim, one after the other, all the sources, most of them, one after the other, some from the Torah, from the Navi Yeshaya. And Ravi Shimon ben Menasya says, אלו שבע מידות שמנו חכמים לצדיקים, כולם נתקיימו ברבי ובבניו. There are seven traits that they, they count that the righteous people have. And they say, who had all of them? Rabbi, Rabbi Uda Anasi, and his sons. They were all perfect people. They had all the seven skills that a righteous person need. What are, the, what are these seven skills? The ones that we named, we said before. What did we say? Noi, Koach, Osher, Kavod, Chokhmah, Zikna, Seva. Those seven, Ve'abanim, it's the seventh one. So, beauty, strength, wealth, uh, honor, wisdom, uh, making long, getting long life, and the children, seva, it's even greater, which is also life experience, all together, seven, this is this Mishnah. Next Mishnah, Mishnah number nine, Amar Rabbi Yossi Bar Kisma. Rabbi Yossi Bar Kisma, one of the important Tanaim of that time. Pa'am achat ha'iti me'alech baderech, this is a very famous Mishnah. One time I was walking on my way and one person stopped me on the street. I never saw him before. 
נתן לי שלום והחזרתי לו שלום. He said hello to me and I said hello to him. אמר לי, רבי, מאיזה מקום אתה? Where are you from? He asked the rabbi. I told him from a city full of rabbis and important people. That's the truth, they live, everyone lives there. אמר לי, רבי, רצונך שתדור עמנו במקומנו? Are you interested to move to our town? So it's, what is it like? It's somebody that lives in, uh, you know, the Hamptons over there, where all the wealthy people live by the beach. He walks in Main Street to do some shopping for the holiday, and he sees an important rabbi. He says, Rabbi, where are you from? He says, I'm from Monsi. You know, full of rabbis, yeshivot, Baruch Hashem. So, Rabbi, do you want to move with us to the Hamptons? Nah, not that, it's not a fool. There's a price for it. And I will give you elef alafim dinarezaav, thousands of coins of gold. Calculate how much a coin of gold today, it's like $500, right? If one ounce is $1,400, coin is about half an ounce, 700 bucks each coin, thousands, thousands. So you're talking almost a million dollar right there up front in our days. Come to our, and avanim tovot vemargaliot, diamonds and rubies, which means he's offering him millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars. I told him, my son, if you give me all the money and the gold and the diamonds and the rubies that are in the whole world, I will not move to any place unless if it has a lot of Torah there. Why? Because in a time when a person passed away, nothing is going with him, not his money, not his diamonds, not his rubies. Only one thing he can take. His Torah knowledge and his good deeds. And the rest is nothing. When you walk, I will show you the way. When you finally go to sleep permanently, what's going to keep you up there? The Torah and the good deeds, the mitzvot. והקיצותה היא תשיחך, בהתהלכך תנחה אותך בעולם הזה, it will help you in this world, בשוכבך תשמור עליך in a grave, when a person goes to the grave, והקיצותה היא תשיחך, and in the next life, it's the one who will stay by you, and you'll be able to say all the Torah that you learn. וכן כתוב, דוד המלך רוט עם תהילים, in the Kuf Yotet 119 Your Torah for me, Hashem, is better than all the money and the gold. I am the owner of all the gold and the owner of all the wealth, Hashem says. So if you have it, I kind of lend it to you. But it's all mine. I own everything. And I, told, and I told you, Torah is much more precious than this. Why are you going after this? If a person has a well in his house, imagine he runs in a desert and making holes to try to find dirty water. You have a great pure well in your house and you run over there. Doesn't make sense. You know, so just that you understand. You know, one interesting thing is 
I, I once told that story, I don't know if here or not, the, in Tunisia, there was one rabbi, his name was Rav Yitzchak El Chaik. That was his name, El Chaik. So he was an important rabbi, he was wearing a nice kilt, you know how the Chachamim walk with a special hat. So everywhere he goes, always few students follow him and, and help him. And there was a person there, his name is Yaakov Hadida, and he has a son, his name is Naftali. Yaakov Hadida, poor guy, is cleaning sewers. It's like a plumber, cleaning sewer, garbage, all the bathroom, cleaning the bathroom, opening, if it's clogged, it's always dirty and smells, oof. You know, I just, people don't want to even stand next to him because it's so poor and dirty. And now, since he cannot afford to send his son to learn Torah, so as soon as the boy became a boy, he takes him to help him. So this Naftali, obviously, doesn't know anything. He goes to work with his father in a garbage. So one time they walk on the street, so they have that tool that they clean the sewer with. It's a metal tool, they walk with that. And there was a rainy day, there's a lot of mud on the floor. It's not like today, you have nice roads. In the old days it was all muddy, a muddy day, that's it, it's all mud. So the tool fell from his hand into the water, spark of dirty water came to the rabbi's kill, the white nice kill, oops, became all black. All the people said, you fool, what are you doing? And they started to curse him, his father, now this little boy, see, everyone hates his father, and everybody runs, they brought something to clean, the rabbi's, the rabbi's killed. And the rabbi said, here, let's clean, let's pick it up, let's dry it. And they all, the other people started to scream at him, you don't have eyes. You couldn't knock it down in another place. Just when the rabbi passed by, it fell on the floor. They go crazy. So at night, when they went home, he comes to his mother. He said, mommy, well, I went to there with dad. And look what happened. Everybody hates us. What happened? Well, a spark of some dirt went on the, on the rabbi's skill. And everybody hates us. And they take care of him like he's a king. He didn't understand, he was a little kid. So the mother, she told him that's the right way. Baruch Hashem, that the people are like this. She, she said, are oh, you justify them? She said, of course. Your father doesn't know Torah. All he knows is to clean garbage. And this is an important chacham. And your father insulted him by getting him dirty on the street. So they care about the rabbi because the Torah, because Hashem say, respect the chachamim. Because they learned my Torah, I love them, so you are obligated to love them and to respect them. So everybody did what Hashem told them. The boy remembered that. The boy said, Ooh, that's a big difference between my father and this rabbi. One day, maybe I'm going to be like this rabbi. I don't want to be like my father. That's what he's thinking. Then one time he see 12 camels going from Tunisia to Iraq, to Babel. They have loads and he asked the guy, where are you heading to? He said, we're going to Babel. So he asked him, tell me, here it costs a lot of money to learn Torah. If your father is poor, you cannot learn Torah in Tunisia in those days. How is it in Babel? He's asking the guy. He said, over there, for free. There's a lot of wealthy people there. They pay money to the yeshivot that everybody can come and learn for free if they cannot afford. So he said, wow, it's great for me, so I should, I should go there. So he asked the guy, do you want a helper, somebody to work for you? I'll feed the camels, I'll bring them, I'll clean them, I'll do anything for you. Whatever you want, just get me with you over there, to get there. The boy, 
So he say, okay, no problem. So he asked permission from his father. What can his father do? He sees the boy is anxious to go. He let him go. All the, day, all the way they took advantage on a boy, clean here, do there. Okay, he doesn't care. You know, soon I'm getting to over. When they got there, was Friday. So they went to a house of a very rich guy in Bavel. He has a beautiful palace over there with servants. And he, he took them in with the camels. They have a place to park the camels there. And Shabbat, they all became, they changed their clothes. And you see this little boy, he's poor, he doesn't have clothes, he's all dirty. So he said, oh, you, where, where are you from? We never saw you before. So he said, I came with, he tells him the story. So the rich guy had mercy on him. He said, wow, look at this boy, so clever, that in this age he's already looking to learn by himself. So he said, okay, one, one second. He told his son, go, you are the same size like him, give him nice things to wear for Shabbat. And on Shabbat already, he saw that the boy is asking, so where can I learn Torah, where? So he said to his son, teach him Aleph Bet. Teach him Aleph Bet already. He told him Aleph Bet, he saw that he's clever. Sunday already, he hired a tutor for him to bring him up to date, that they can put him in school, in yeshiva. Right away went to yeshiva, he learned, 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 for a few years he learned, he became a big chacham. Then later, after 15, 20 years, he was such a chacham, he became a judge and a base dean. So one day he sits in a court, and who comes in? A group of rich people suing the rabbi from Tunisia, Rabbi El Chaik. For what? The congregation gave him a house, and now business is very bad in Tunisia. They want to sell the house that they can pay the expenses of the shul, of the yeshiva. And the rabbi said, no, I already live here for a few years. You cannot throw me out and take the house. So they don't want to go to the court in Tunisia because the court doesn't want to rule against the rabbi. And the court doesn't want to rule against the people who pay for the yeshiva. It's a, it's a problem. You don't know what to do. So they say, go to a strange town that nobody knows you personally. Over there, they can judge fairly. So they went all the way to Iraq, from Tunisia to Babel. Who is the judge? Him. So he hears that these people came to sue the rabbi that because of that rabbi, everybody started to curse his father. He remember that 20 years ago when he was a kid. So, so he said to them, he listened to everything and he said, the congregation is right. They never gave him the house for free. They just told him, as long as you're the rabbi, you can live here. But how much is this house worth? In the meantime, what happened to him, one thing I forgot to say, that before, before he became a judge, there was two years' war in, in Iraq, in Babel over there. Big war. So everybody ran and hid in, a, in a caves, in the deserts, there's caves. They dig caves, and they were hiding in a cave. So he went to one of the caves, he was digging, 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 and he found a bag full of money. Lots of money, gold, this. He found somebody was hiding it there. So when he came back after the war is over, he went to that rich guy that made him like his son. And he said, no, you big businessman, you're investing. Here, take this money, invest it for me. You know what to do with the money. So he invested the money for him. He became very rich. He had money coming from all over. So now he's a rich guy. He's sitting in a court. He's a judge. So he asked them, how much is that house anyway? So they told him, whatever, 200,000, like today. So he said, okay, you won but you're not taking the rabbi out of his house, I'm buying him the house. Come to my house right now, I'll give you the amount of money. So they said, what, you even know him, Bakhlal? You're here in Babel and he's in Tunisia, what are you, you're buying the rabbi a house just like that? He said, I owe my life to this rabbi. 
So they say, why? How do you know him? So he tells them the story. See that? Only when I saw how much people respected him for his Torah, that's what made me decide that day, I'm not going to be like my father. I'm going to be like him. From that moment on, my whole life changed. You see, sometimes things like you don't even know. So something you say to your son, or one thing you see, one time if you bring somebody to your house, they see how you respect them, it affects them a lot. You know, in the old days, there was one Ashkenazi millionaire that everybody came to him to give money to the yeshivot. And one time it was snowing, it was all slush on the floor, dirt. So he came to this rich guy, but he didn't want to come from the front door because he know he has beautiful rugs, antique. So he went all the way from the back, which, where is the kitchen? It's not such a, it's a wood floor. So he said, Rabbi, why are you coming from this door? The rich guy says. Say, you know, I don't feel comfortable walking with my, my shoes dirty on your beautiful rugs to make everything dirty. So the rich guy started to have tears. He said, no, no, what kind of education are you giving my children that the rugs is more important than you? Go around and come with all the dirt on the rugs. Make sure you make it very dirty. So why? So I want my children to see that I don't care about these things. It's only for the beauty. If I have to give all of it just for you to walk into my house, it's worth it. Little things that teach the kids a lot. If only you respect rich people, even though they're complete fools, they have no knowledge in their mind, the kids say, oh, it's great to be rich and dumb. No learning, no Torah, no halacha, not knowing anything. I'm a but drive a nice car, have a beautiful account, bank account. That's what my father respects. That's what I want to be. Then, that's what it is. What do you think? If they see the father cares about sport, always bragging about this athlete and this, uh, this basketball player and that football player, what are the kids dream to be? That's what they grew up with, right? Some parents, all these Italians in a mafia, they already inherit that when they're kids. 16, 17, they drop out of school, they already have a gun, they drive a fancy car, yeah, they begin to go. Hey, give us, give us protection, money. Why? Their uncle, their father, their grandfather, they're all mobs. So they go right into that. That's what they know. That's for them a dream. Since they're little kids, this is the dream. Get me in. Take me in. No, no, go to school. Tony tells Vinny, no, stay in school. Vinny, no, I hate school. Yeah, that's how it is. This is, this is what they see. That's what they admire. So... The Mishnah continue, Rabbi, so Rabbi Yossi Bar Kisma told him, listen, no matter what, I know it's important to come to your town, to establish a shul, to teach you Torah, I know it's important. Where are my children going to learn? There's no Torah there. One year, all my children become secular. If you had some Torah there, to come and make it greater, I'm I'm agreeing, but... Nothing there, leave me alone, I'm not interested. Okay. Chamisha kinyanim kana ha-kadosh baruchu be'olamo. Ha-Torah, it's kinyan echad. Kinyan, what's kinyan means? That you come and you buy something and it's yours. When it becomes yours, not when you give the owner of the store the money. It's not yours yet. Why? He can change his mind and give you the money. I don't want to sell you. When it becomes yours when you grab whatever you bought and pick it up or pull it. For instance, if it's an animal, you cannot pick up a cow. 
So you make the cow make two steps forward, it's yours. That second became yours. If it's lightning strike the cow before the cow was pulled, you can say, your cow died, give me my money back. Because I didn't pull it yet. Once you pulled it, a minute later it strike, you lost the money. That's how it goes. Same thing object, you go to the store, give me that diamond over there. No problem, sir, it's $10,000. You give him the $10,000, he puts it in the register, he fill up the receipt, he's about to open the safe and get it out. A robber came in, he stole all the, all the jewelry. Who lost? The owner of the store. Why? He never had position on the diamond yet. But if he gave it to you after you paid and you grabbed it, it's yours. Even if he gave it to you and he didn't pay, he said, pay me next month, and you grabbed it, it's yours. They can't change your mind. So that's the rule. Remember, Meshicha Kona. What happens if it's a house? How you become the owner of the house? Well, today you write the check, the bank gives the money, and you get the key, and you sign the contract, it becomes yours. But officially, it's when you enter the house, when they give you the key, and you enter the house, and you make some kind of a change in a house that shows ownership. Like you knock down a fence, you, cl you add a fence, you change the key, the lock, you bring furniture in, anything that shows everyone already out there, oh, is a new owner. But if you did nothing, it's yours for a month. No, you did not even go there. You just bought it and you didn't walk in. And something happened, it's not yours yet. It's only become yours after you did some change to show that it's your ownership. So that's called Kinyan. Kinyan means that when you finally had position, it's 100% yours. Nobody can take it away from you. Five, thi five things like this Hashem made in this world. Let's see. One is Torah. Second, heaven and earth, which is the world. Third is Avraham Avinu. Fifth is the nation of Israel. I mean, fourth is the nation of Israel. And fifth is the holy temple, Bet HaMikdash. How do we know? The Psukim. Dichtiv, Hashem Kanani Reshit Darko. Kanani means Kana, Kinyan. Shamayim Vaaretz, how do we know? Ko Amar Hashem, Hashamayim Kisi, Vaaretz Adom Raglai. Ezeu Bait Asher Tivnuli, Veze Makom Enuchati. And they bring all the Psukim. So every time you have the word Kinyan, that's something that Hashem had position on. Avraham, how do we know Avraham? And Hashem blessed him. Hashem, kone shamayim va'aretz. He made Kinyan on heaven and earth. And Avraham Avinu. So that's from here, there's five times Kinyan. The nation of Israel, Ad Yavor Amcha Hashem, Ad Yavor Amzu Kanita. This nation of Israel, Kanita, you bought it for yourself. It's like you purchased it, you owned it. Nobody can take it away from you. You're not only borrowing or, or, or using it for now. How do we know Bet Mikdash? Mikdash Hashem Konenu Yadecha. Mikdash Hashem Konenu Yadecha. Vayeviem el gvul kotcho, arezek antayemino, Hashem bought it with his right arm. This is all analogy, expression. So what do we see from here? This is what we learned from this Mishnah. It says like this, that those are the things that are very important in the eyes of Hashem. Avraham, why Avraham? Have Amon Goim. Almost all the world came from him. If you really look, Avraham, all the Arabs came from him, from Hagar. All the Jews came from Sarah. 
all the Chinese and all the Indians and all the people in the East came from Ketura. He had more kids and he sent them to the East. He gave them all the magic powers and the Kishufim. And he sent them Mizracha, Kedma. He gave them some gifts and he sent them away. He said, here, take their gifts, take some money, Allah, disappear from my eyes. <laughs> go, go far away. You know, remember, there was no telephone. When you go, you go. That's it. You never find me again. You know, if you go, you never know where you ended up. Okay, now the next Mishnah. Everything that Hashem created in His world, He created for His honor. To elevate and praise and elevate the honor of Hashem. Shenemar, Kola Nikra Bishmi, Velikvodi Brativ, I created it for my honor, Yetzartiv Afasitiv. Which means, for instance, how does a person fall in love with Hashem? This mitzvah we say every day, Shema Israel, Ve'avta et Hashem Elokecha. You should love him with all your hearts, all your soul, all your money, everything. How do you fall in love with him? You look at the beautiful tree and you say, wow, what a creation. You look at the animals, you see monkeys, you see elephants, you see dogs, how they run, how they eat, how the eagles are flying, you see how this world is, oxygen, water, rain, beautiful, grass. You cannot be cold and ignore everything you see. The more you are impressed from nature, or from your body, from the miracles, you are impressed from Hashem, from the Creator. So Hashem says, Everything I did, what does it mean I did it for my honor? It means I could have made the whole world gray or brown. Everything. Everything. No colors. One color, boring. Hashem irachem. Everything. Your wife, all gray. No blue eyes, green eyes, brown eyes, blonde. Nothing. All gray. You know in a black and white TV? That's how she looked in reality. No? How a person enjoy life. Food all the same color, taste all salty, or all no taste, no taste, you eat, it's like eating plastic, no taste, you need to eat because you need to survive, nothing is beautiful, all the animals are the same face, they're all ugly, oh, oh horrible hair like this, ugly with some bald spots, you know, all kinds of pussy things on them, oof, you look at them, you vomit, your life become a nightmare, huh? that's how he could make the world, what, he owe us anything, but he made it beautiful, he made it delicious, he made it fun to look, to enjoy, pleasant, everything, water, all these great things, it's like a bonus. I could have made everything very boring. This is your test. That's where you have to spend your next 70 years. Finished. But he entertained us. He gave us a lot of nice things to enjoy over here. Imagine you come to a test and you have to drive a truck for half an hour and if yes, you get a permit, you become a truck driver and you have a career. You make a lot of money because you know how to go reverse with a long, it looks like a train. It's not an easy job. But the half an hour that you're going to pass the test, who cares? What is sitting inside the truck, the wheel is nice, the chair is comfortable, the air condition works, not work. Nobody cares so much because it's only half an hour, Amir. But believe it or not, people care. Here, we see eh, over here that we know that we are only here for a short period of time. We care very much about our convenience. We want nice things. We want to sleep in a nice house. We want to drive a nice car. We want to dress nice. We want delicious food. Why you care? You, don't you know it's going to be over before you realize? 
after all you see people care. So it's, if it's like a tester comes and says, come, test yourself by me. So he said, no, no, the other tester promised me very soft wheel, beautiful AC, comfortable orthopedic chair. You know, the stick shift is much softer, the mirrors are bigger, he's brushing his teeth. I don't have to suffer inside with after eating garlic like him. So in other words, even though it's only half an hour, but I'm going to enjoy every minute sitting in that truck. I wish it would stay for 10 hours. I love it. If the test is over, I'm, uh, I'm upset, no? What's, why, why I'm upset? It's like people are upset when they die. They leave their mansion, they leave their house, they leave, they're going to the next life, they cry. Oh, I don't want to die, Hashem. Why? Your test is over. You <laughs> should be happy, because they love it here. But eh, some people don't love it here. Oh, when will I die already? No, if I wouldn't be afraid, I'll kill myself. They mean it. They just don't want to commit suicide. So Hashem, that's what it means. I did it for my honor to elevate the honor and the appreciation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means not to be grateful. Amar Rabbi Hanina ben Akashia, this is a famous, we hear it every second in a shul. Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu lezakot et Yisrael, this is the last verse in Pirkei Avot, and we're finishing right here. Translation. Hashem wanted to benefit the nation of Israel. That's why He gave them the Torah and lots of obligation, lots of good deeds to do. What is it like? Two friends are searching for a job. They're looking to find a job. They saw an ad in a supermarket, $10 an hour. So they both go to a job interview. First one goes in. The boss saw the way he looks. He said, this guy's hippie, he's not for work. He said, okay, you come for two hours. You come nine in the morning, 11, you can go to the beach. Bring your surfboard, goodbye. 20 bucks. So he said, wow, I'm so lucky. Only two hours to work. <laughs> His friends said, what a fool to come here and this, all this essence just for two hours? Then he friends go in, he comes out. Ah, I'm so lucky. Ten hours work every day. So the fool said to the smart guy, you stupid. Ten hours a day like a slave. This guy's taking advantage on you. Look at me, only two hours, and I go to the beach to relax. What kind of life are you going to have? So the other guy said, your ears should listen to your foolish mouth. I don't want to be a fool like you working only two hours. I want to sweat. I want to work. Because work brings money. I came here to make money. Same thing here. We came here to make spiritual money, eternal money, reward. If we're not going to have mitzvot, how are we going to get the reward? No mitzvot. They lock you in a jail, handcuffs. You lock, you cannot move seven years. What mitzvot you can do? You cannot put filin. You cannot learn Torah. There's no Torah there. You cannot do anything. What mitzvot you can do over there? Besides thinking about Hashem, and if they give you food to make brachot. You are very limited. You want to make mitzvot, there's nothing you can do. A blind person, right away, more than half of the Torah you cannot keep. Deaf person cannot keep. That's why the Torah says, blind person equal like a dead person. Why? Why? Because he cannot do mitzvot. Not because he cannot enjoy blue and black and yellow. 
Because he cannot do mitzvot, he cannot read, he cannot, you know, all these things. I told you the story about the blind person who learned the Tugmarot 4,000 times, no? In Yerushalayim, in a cemetery in Hara Menuchot, you have a, a stone there on a grave, and it says on it, this Jew learned Masechet Rosh Hashanah and Masechet Beitzah 4,000 times. Each Masechet, 4,000 times. What was the story with him? He had diabetic, and he couldn't see. He already started to lose his eyesight. Doctor told him, in a few months, you'll become completely blind. So we have to operate immediately. Maybe we can save your vision. But there's no guarantee you can become blind tomorrow. You know, it's a big risk. Maybe you become blind tomorrow. Maybe we save your eyes. No guarantee. Sign here, sign here, that you take full responsibility. So he said, give me a day to think about it. He said to the, to the doctor. Then he's going home and he said, what happens if they operate on me tomorrow? And tomorrow I become blind. I won't be able to learn Torah for the rest of my life. I don't know any page by heart that I can sit at home and repeat a few times. I don't know anything by heart. I'm finished. I'm going to need people to come, read for me. Ah. So he said, let me learn a few pages good that I know them by heart. If I become blind in a surgery, at least I can learn on my own. I'm not dependent on anyone's help. So he said for two, three months, he learns, learn, learn, which Masachtot, Masachet Rosh Hashanah, and Masachet Beitzah, he knows by heart. Every page, a hundred times, until he knows it by heart. Then he comes to the doctor, he says, remember me, doctor, from three months ago? Now I'm ready for the operation. So the doctor says, okay, we have to test your eyes again. As he checks the eyes, he says, I'm very sorry, it's too late, that's it, you become blind soon, there's nothing we can do, it's too late to save you. So what happened? He became blind. So since he's nothing to do in his life, all day he was sitting and learning Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Masechet Beitzah, and the day of his death, he said to his son, don't write righteous, rabbi, this, that, nothing. Just write one sentence on my grave. Learn Masechet Rosh Hashanah and Masechet Beitzah 4,000 times. That's all. This is a Jew who loves Hashem. Everybody else cares now to learn 4,000 times. He knew that by not going to operate, by the time he would want, there's a chance it will be too late for him. But he didn't want to give up. So Hashem, because He loves us, because He wants to reward us, He makes the Torah very large, a lot to do, a lot to learn, a lot to sweat, because the more you do, the more you earn. And David HaMelech says clearly, clearly, that one of the reasons I keep your mitzvot is in Tehilim, for the greatness that you are putting aside for those who fear you for the next life. Clear verse in Tehilim, the good, the good, the ultimate good of Hashem, that you put aside for the people who follow your mitzvot for the next life. That's why I keep your mitzvot. David HaMelech says, Shamarti mitzvotecha for the, mitz- for the reward that you are putting aside for all the righteous people. That's one of the reasons I keep mitzvot. It's not a shame to say it. We deserve it. When you work, you deserve it. When you don't, when you don't work, all day no customers came to the store. All day you sat and read newspaper. You did nothing. Your boss is eating his heart. Business is bad. The end of the day you come, pay me my day. You're embarrassed, because you know you didn't do anything. 
But if it was a very busy day, you couldn't sit for a minute. You're walking, you're cleaning, you're bringing boxes. By the end of the day, you say, hey, boss, Kadima, pay me. <laughs> I work very hard. The boss says, oh, you really deserve Here is a tip. Here, take this home. Why? He knows you deserve it. When you deserve it, you're not embarrassed. Did you see people who knock on the door, ask for tzedakah? Did you ever see a guy comes like this? Levi, no, no. Tzedakah, tzedakah. We need, we need. We have poor kids in the house. No, tzedakah. No, how they come? Excuse me, sir. I'm sorry to bother you. You know, maybe you can help. Excuse me, I cannot hear you. Talk louder. Why? Why is hiding like this? Right away, shrinks. You don't see them come like this. <laughs> I, I didn't see anyone like this. If I see one coming like this, that's the end of the world already. <laughs> hey, Tzaka! So, everything Akalosh Baruch Hu did, did for the nation of Israel, that he has enough reason to give them the, to give them the reward and that's what we say, Ve'omer Hashem imloch le'olam v'ayet. That's what we say every day in the tefillah. So we have to know one thing, you know. Where do we learn? It says like this, Hashem chafetz leman tzitko, yagdil Torah ve'yadir. Hashem is interested that His righteousness will be clear to everyone, 100%, no doubts. Therefore... He made the Torah so great and powerful and spread all over the world, etc., etc. Uh, which is, you know, they bring here in the, in the comments, they bring, Rabbi, this is what it is. It says, Rabbi Hanina says, Sooner I'll translate. Every mitzvah that a person does, right, from the 613 mitzvot, 100%, he will do it with love for the sake of heaven. Right away, he got that piece of the mitzvah for the life of eternity. Nobody can take it away from him. Rabbi Hanina ben Tardion. Rabbi Hanina ben Tardion asked Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma. It's the Romans say you're not allowed to teach Torah. Someone who will catch teaching Torah will kill him. So he was teaching Torah, and they caught him. And now he told him, don't you know that this empire of Rome, Romy, they forbid us to learn Torah, and you're risking you and your student and everyone. So he told him, Hashem Ya'azor, Hashem will help. I'm counting on Hashem to help. So he said, I'm giving you such a warning of life and death, such an important words of wisdom. I give you a good suggestion. This is what you have to tell me. Hashem Yazor, Hashem will help. I have no doubt that these Romans will execute you in the cruelest, cruelest death with the Torah in your arm. And that was his end, exactly. You know, killing him, burning him with the Torah. So before his soul came out, so before he asked him, Rabbi, okay, if that's the death you see that I'm going to get, I just have one question to ask you. What am I? For the next world. Where do you see me? Oh, fine. I mean, I taught Torah. I couldn't live without the Torah. Fine. But now, where do I go to the next life? So I asked him, did you ever do any mitzvah in a perfect way? 
כלום נזדמן לך לעשות מצווה כהוגן? Did you ever do one מצווה complete? Perfect. Not for honor, not for people to appreciate you, not for the reward. Only that Hashem wanted you to do this mitzvah and you do it from all your, for all your heart. So I told him, yes, yes. One time I was collecting money for Purim and it got mixed with my own money. And since I wasn't sure how much people gave me for Purim, for the poor people, I took all the money that I had on me and I gave everything not to go into a doubt. And I did it with complete, clean perfect heart with no hesitation nobody knows about it I didn't get any credit for it that's why he, he didn't start saying it but that's the whole idea so I told him in that case that mitzvah alone got you a share to the world to come you know we'll finish with one last story the Gemara said that Rav Kahana had a son his name was Salik Salik their names used to be very strange in the old days Salik When he was five years old, his father wanted to send him away to yeshiva. That's how they used to do it. It's no yeshiva like this, cool bus, come with all the smoke around, take your kids to yeshiva, bring them at five o'clock, different world. They go to yeshiva, next time you see them when they have beard already. Send him a little kid with peot like this, with his little <laughs> bag with his food. Next time you see him, he's a man already. Hi, mommy, I'm home. Ah, that's my son. That's how it was. Don't see them. It's far away. There's no transportation. So the wife is afraid not to see her son. So she said, no, I'm not agreeing that he's going to go out of town. He won't find him somebody to teach him here. So he said, there's nobody to teach him here. You have to send him to a good yeshiva to learn Torah. That's important. She said, I don't care. He said, I'm going to divorce you. She said, okay, but I'm not letting him go. I come to the Beit Din, the rabbi said, did you find anything bad about her? She's not as beautiful. What happened? You're not attracted to her anymore? She's not cooking for you? She's not cleaning? What is the problem? Give us a reason to get divorced. You know, New York State is different than other states. In New York, you need a cause for divorce. Did you know that? In other places, you just tell the judge, I don't like the way she looks. Just get me out of here. And the judge said, no problem, sir. But in New York, he need a reason. I never knew that until a few months ago. Okay, so maybe they learned it from the, from the Torah. You just don't come and say, I don't, want, I, I don't want her, for no reason. You have to give a reason. So he said, no, no, there's nothing personal about her. She's a good wife, she's kosher, she, everything is fine. But she's destroying the future of my son. So the rabbi said, okay, let's compromise here, let's see. In the end, they reached an agreement that they bring a tutor to the house, and she's obligated to cook for them every day, to take care of their needs, in order for her son to stay to sleep home. But he sleeps, he learns in a room, and the tutor will teach him Torah. How many years the tutor taught him Torah? No, how many years? What do you think? How many years? If today you bring a tutor, you put him in a room, you have a nice house, You put him in a room, you lock the room, every day the wife brings breakfast, lunch, whatever, and they sit all day in the room and learn. How many years? Six months? A year? Four years? What a hero, four years. Twenty-five years he's learning with his tutor in the room. He was five when he went into the room. He's 30 years old now, 30 years old. He knows all the Torah by heart, everything. Cannot ask one thing he doesn't know. So the tutor said to the father, 
I would love to stay with him and get your money. It's stealing. He knows everything I know and more he knows. What? He doesn't need me anymore. I finished my job. Goodbye. So now, for the first time, he went out of the house. He comes to the market. He sees all the business, all the boots, dates, figs, wine, lemonade. So I see one guy screaming, lemonade, five shekel, lemonade. So I don't have a, a penny. You know, I just came out of the room. But I learned so much Torah. I'm sure this guy will know to appreciate that I learned Torah. He give me a lemonade for free, no? What's the big deal, lemonade? So I come to the owner of the lemonade and say, excuse me, sir, how much is lemonade? He say, five shekels. He say, can you give me for free? So he looks at him, 30 years old, asking for lemonade for free? And he dress okay, you know, it's not a homeless. So he said, why should I give you for free? It's a business here. So I'll tell you the truth. I just came out of the room after 25 years that I learned Torah. First day I'm out, I just half an hour out of my house. First time, I, don't st- I still don't have any money. It's very naive like this. He doesn't understand what's happening in the world. So the guy said to him, how they say it in English, good for you. <laughs> what's in it for me? The fool asked him. You learn Torah, it's, your, it's good for you. What is it for me? I need to make parnasair. So he says, so you're saying that you're not even giving me one lemonade that cost you not even a quarter? You don't give me? You don't appreciate nothing that I did? You say, no. It's business here. I'm sorry. Everyone will come and say, I want. you know how many people learn Torah they want for free? He got so upset. He went back home. He comes home. He takes his shirt off. He throws it on the couch. Father and mother said, what happened? He said, ah, I wasted my life. I said, why? He said, 25 years I learned Torah, I learned Torah. If I ever knew that I go on the street, they look at me like a nothing. What, what, what was good for that? What did I achieve? So his father said, okay, relax, relax. Here, come, come. I give you a special diamond that I saved. I want you to go tomorrow to the same market where you went today, the guy with the lemonade, all these people around him, and pick a, p- a piece of paper and, a, and, a, and write how much each one of them offer you for this diamond. Go one by one, ask him how much would you buy it from me, and write it down. And come back tonight home. Don't ask questions, just do what I tell you. Okay. All day he walks from one store to the other, $300, $500, Seven, now a maximum offer a thousand dollars on this beautiful big diamond. He comes to the father. The father looks at the list. He's smiling. Say tomorrow, I'm sending you to 47th Street. Mm-hmm. Over there, it's all the professionals, gold, diamond. They know the value. Go there tomorrow and see the prices they offer you. Comes to the first Bukharian, Mr. Gavrielov. How much this? Say twenty-six thousand. $26,000 all day. I sweat yesterday. $700, $900, $300, And they are sharks. They don't just give you the money. Free offer 26 that means he worth 80 He's thinking he's not dumb. So he go to Mr. Borokhov. Mr. Borokhov say 21000 He say he offered me 26 Ah, who, him? Okay, for me 28 So he writes 28 All day he works, 70000 he comes back home, he says, 70,000. He says, yesterday, maximum offer was 1,000. So they the same stone, 70,000. He says, you know what's the difference? Why I send you yesterday there and I send you here? The fools who don't understand what a diamond is, 
They offer you prices of retarded people. They don't understand what this diamond is, symmetric, clean, no dirt, perfect shape. They don't understand. So, they say, you know what, if I get a good price for it, I'll buy it for my wife for her birthday. No, no big deal. But when I send you to a place when they value diamonds for the real value, you saw how much more they're willing to offer? That's what happened to you yesterday. When you went to that idiot <laughs> for selling <laughs> lemonade, you told him, I learned 25 years of Torah. Instead of kissing your feet, give me a blessing. What do you want? Take the whole lemonade for you, for your family. What else do you want? Let me give you some money. Let me have a share in your Torah. Over here I can still stand next to you, but when we go to the other world, where would I ever see you? I'm so lucky you're standing next to me instead of fainting from excitement that somebody who learned 25 years Torah and kiss your feet, he threw you like a dog. Why? Because he's a dog. That's why. But when I send you to the people, that you saw what respect you got with this diamond, everyone ran after you for the Because they, they value the real value. When you come to the real world, nobody can take away what you earned. Your reward is so endless, this guy you think will bother you? So he relaxed. He finally realized. So the father told him, what do you worry about this world? God forbid that the reward was here. For you realize this life is over. Baruch Hashem, the reward is for eternity. We finished Baruch Hashem, Pirkei Avot. I think it's, we, it's 17 old sessions all together. Gimatria Tov. Gimatria good, Baruch Hashem. So now we are 48 hours before Rosh Hashanah. Don't forget, haircut, mikveh, return the money that you owe, make tshuva, Rosh Hashanah, not to talk any jokes, not to waste time on talking, tefillah with broken heart, with tears, and when they, do the, when they blow the shofar, listen to every one of them, make the vidui. Some say not allowed to say the word, some say you only have to think about it, some say you can say it quietly, either way is good. The most important thing when you come home, the first day, don't go to sleep. Read the whole Tehillim, men, women, doesn't matter. And only thinking Hashem, Tshuva, don't use the day to request things. Give me this, give me that, give me money, give me kids, give me wife, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's 363 days. Now, it's forgive me, not give me. Forgive me. Remember, don't forget the four. Forgive me, I'm sorry, forgive me, let me make tshuva, you are the king. The rest, Hashem knows what you need, don't worry. doesn't need you to tell him how many millions to send you. He knows how much you need, don't worry. You don't have to say every five minutes, Hashem, so what about that deal? Why only one deal this year? Don't worry, he knows. That's what we say, noten laim et ochlam be'ito. Give them their food in the right timing. Well, right timing. Just say, give us the food. Thank you. Now, the great thing about it, that in Hebrew it says, Badaka Tishim. In the 90th minute, it comes from the soccer game, they have 90 minutes. Don't conclude the game. There's still the last minute, somebody can score a goal and everything can change. So that's called Badaka Tishim, means in the last second, which means that a person knows tomorrow I don't have what I need. Wow, what am I going to do? I don't have a penny. You get up in the morning and the miracles happen. 
Just when you need, if it didn't happen, that means the right time for it didn't come yet. It shouldn't eat your heart. Shem knows it's better for me to stay here. I don't have money for transportation. Maybe tomorrow I will have. When I need it, I'm going to have it. This is what it means. That's nothing to worry about. You can pray for a kosher wife. You can pray. I'm not saying no, but don't become obsessive about it. The idea more is that to break the heart with tshuva. If you can cry, you can cry. Don't force yourself to cry. Because after all, it's a holiday. It's also Yom Tov. But it's very good. If you know that you, when you pray, you cry, that means your soul went another level higher, which the Ari writes, a pure soul, pure soul, for sure cries. You cannot be a person's oh, Yom Adin, the judgment began. <gasps> I just finished with one thing. Rabbeinu Nisim lived about 750 years ago, 700 years ago. In the Sidurim of Rosh Hashanah, and Kippur, in Kippur it's appeared, there it's called the Vidui Agadol, the big Vidui. How you say Vidui in English? Vidui, when we specify all the sins. Confession, all right, confession. Confession, I don't like this because it comes from, uh, from the church over there. 50 bucks, father, confession, kill, 50 bucks, son, you're all dismissed. Next time, make sure it's 500. <laughs> Goodbye. So, confession, okay, Vidui. Rabbeinu Nisim wrote a very long list of all the sins you can think of. He counts on everything. And then he writes one last sentence that is like a knife in the heart. When you read it, you get goosebumps all over your body. Who am I talking here about? I'm talking about a person that if he would be in our generation, people would not be able to move an inch away from him, from his wisdom, from his holiness. You, don't, you never saw anything like this in the whole world. This is a, an angel. And he wrote, And if I'm going to specify all my, all my sins from the last year, the time on this planet will end, and the list will still go on. This is, a, I promise you, I'm willing to swear on my life, that in his whole 70 or 80 years that he lived here, you can count on one hand how many sins he made. For his whole life! I'm not exaggerating, not like us, every minute five sins. These people were shaking from Hashem. Hashem is like, it's like fire of Hashem in front of them every second of their life. Today we have people like this, I know few, that they don't move an inch without thinking about Hashem. So him is a giant that... Only in the books you can read about. But he wrote, if I'm going to specify all my sins, the time will end and the, sin, the list will still go on. What are we going to say? Chazal said when the brothers stood in front of Yosef, Yosef told them, I am Joseph, I'm Yosef. So they said, they froze, their blood froze. They got so afraid. They got so nervous. The Torah said, the Torah, it's in the Torah. They couldn't say a beep. They got so scared that one word didn't come out. They couldn't talk. And Chazal said, if when they stood in front of a person, he's a judge, he's a king, but it's their brother, and they were so panicking, what are we going to do when we stand in front of Hashem? That's what the, in the Slichot we say. 
מה נדבר ומה נצטדק, we say. What, what are we going to say? How are we going to justify ourselves? Well, I'm going to say, Hashem, I have reason why I made these sins. I can justify myself? Of course not. Only a fool thinks he's right. You have to be honest. I'm sorry, chatati, aviti, I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. Everything is correct. Just help me that I won't have to do it again. Help me to get closer to you. Have mercy on me. Give me another chance. Nothing else. If a person comes and says, No, I'm not guilty. What's the answer of Hashem? If you have the nerve to say, I'm clean, I'm innocent, I don't need slichot, I don't need vidui, I don't need all this, I'm clean, I'm good, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't speak Lashonara, I keep Shabbat, I give tzedakah. If we're going to analyze your list, in every one of them you're guilty, for sure. For sure, tzedakah, you don't give enough. Shabbat, you don't keep enough. Modesty, for sure, in your dreams. Kosher, for sure not. Brachot, you forgot a million times. What, children education? What do you give to your children? You're egoistic, you only think about yourself. To your wife, let her do all the job. What, what, so how exactly you are clean? No one is clean. So before we are not clean, to start looking for excuses, why I did this, why I did this, it wasn't my fault, forget about it. This is the Adam and Chava and the snake, excuses. Hashem doesn't like excuses. Stand like a man. I'm guilty, you're right, this whole list is me and more. Like he said, he meant it. If I'm going to specify my sins, Azman ichle ve'ema lo ichlu. Be'ezrat Hashem, k'tiva tova, chatima tova, We'll see you again next Monday. Thank you, Levi. Thank you very much. Call to all the best.